Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. This week, we're looking at more fallout from those six Dr. Theodore Geisel Seuss books that are no longer being published over racist and insensitive images. Dr. Seuss Enterprises says books such as If I Ran the Zoo portray people, including blacks and Asians, in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Now, North Dakota's State Library has removed that book from its shelves after a request, but because of its low circulation, not over the images. Earlier, I asked University of Virginia professor Sylvia Xinghui Chong what she thought about the controversy that has been going on for years. That conversation after this short break. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I was not surprised. I was happy to see that the estate was recognizing um, the harm that children's literature does to communities of color. Um, So, yes, I was not surprised at all. So have you been disturbed by the images in these books yourself or have has this been something that's been going on for a while? Because I feel like the National Education Association has kind of been de-emphasizing him and their school Mm -hmm. districts across the country that have moved away from his books as well. Exactly. And actually, um, uh, as a researcher, I'm familiar with uh, Theodore Geisel's work um, in political cartooning with uh, that with a very virulently racist portrayals of black and um, Asian peoples. So, uh, and, and there's a little bit more of a paternalistic sort of kinder side of that representation in his children's literature. Uh, this is all known to us. Um, I mean, sadly, it's hard to avoid Seuss. I have two young children. Um, I'm sure we have some Seuss lying in the house. Um, although not the more um, sort of, uh, offending books, uh, none of the, the early books that are being um, taken out of print, uh, but even books such as The Lorax, you know, have, have received a lot of criticism, and, and Horton Hears Who have received a lot of criticism. I think as a person of color in America, you you wince, but you get used to seeing uh, yourself and your kind represented poorly, um, and you o- almost don't want to call attention to it too much to your children and hope to fill their lives with images that are much better. And you have to sort of teach your children to uh, understand why uh, there are pictures of slanty-eyed, you know, um, bamboo hat-wearing um, fools, you know, all over their children's literature and have them understand that this is not a reflection of themselves and their rich heritage and their place in America. I wonder if you could go through with me some of the offenses, offensive images that you are talking about. You know, the people painted yellow with the cone-shaped hat and the long pigtail and chopsticks. And I believe in one of his books, he described him as a Chinaman. Talk to me about some of the other images that have disturbed you. The books that have been um, discontinued are not books that I have in my home. So I did have to look them up and see the images. Uh, although, again, I wasn't surprised. I think in some ways I was thinking of the familiarity of that kind of portrayal of Chinese 
and, and, and of Asians in general, um, it, throughout older children's literature, I mean, it's not just Dr. Seuss. It's potentially a lot of other beloved authors. Richard Scarry, I think we grew up uh, knowing a book called Five Chinese Brothers. That, that was an entire book of uh, that kind of portrayal. Yeah, and then if you read, uh, if you look at his pictures of African and South Asian peoples, that's familiar through, you know, things like Jungle Book and Tintin and all these things. But in any case, the specific Dr. Seuss ones that I did have to look up when I was um, hearing about them in the news are very familiar portrayals that come from, you know, the 19th century and earlier of Asian peoples as backwards, unmodernized, uncivilized, culturally curious, um, and specifically unassimilated, sort of an unmodernized peoples. And it's always just a little bit surprising to see them in the 20th century. Perhaps these pictures appear in the 19th century and are more racist, but perhaps are a little bit more um, somewhat closer to what you might see of migrants, Chinese migrants coming to the U.S., people who are dressed in different clothing and and are sort of uh, culturally distinct. But to see those things in the 20th century after, you know, 100 years of Chinese immigration to the U.S. and um, generations of Chinese born in the U.S., uh, Chinese and Japanese, I should say, uh, I think the portrayals are sort of generally Asian. Um, Let me jump in here, though, and, and ask and ask you a different question. And I will, okay. of course, point to the portrayals of the African people that are barefoot wearing skirts in the Dr. Seuss books. But are you surprised at the strong pushback? Because a lot of people took to social media and said, well, this is canceling culture. This is political correctness gone wrong. And as someone said on Twitter, well, if you're going to cancel Dr. Seuss, what can't be canceled? I mean, people are actually outraged. Well, first of all, I don't know who's saying this. I have not investigated myself, but I do think that it is a a tactic of the right to deploy the term cancel culture to uh, delegitimize protests that they disagree with. So it's canceling if, you know, someone wants to point out that Dr. Dr. Seuss wrote um, outdated and frankly, you know, poor quality, you know, children's books uh, in his in his early career. This is called canceling, but if um, a school uh, uh, fires an African-American religious studies professor for wearing a hijab to class, that's not canceling. That is just, you know, you know, a personnel decision, a legitimate personnel decision. A lot of, um, a lot of what I saw, though, was from parents who were like, look, I grew up with these books. I love these, these books. And some suggested, okay, though some of the images are problematic, but maybe this can be used to teach children not to think these things. What, what do you think about that? I think people are reacting to the idea that this is a beloved figure that they identify with. And so in attacking the figure, their childhoods are being attacked. But I don't think that, I don't think it's right to romanticize what we've been taught in the past um, wholesale as something to be um, celebrated and continued. Dr. Seuss, let me be clear. Dr. Seuss is not being canceled. (laughs) Six of his early lesser known works being put out of print is something that market forces might have done anyways. Um, And so for a publishing company to intentionally do this and acknowledge the harm that those books have, have, potentially created. I think that's a nice step rather than pretending that the books just disappear. I don't know how many of these parents on Twitter are actively reading any of these early six books. Um, 
Dr. Seuss is not losing market share. He's not disappearing from libraries. Um, I mean, maybe he should, and that's you know another conversation for 50 or 100 years from now. Uh, so I don't agree that he is being canceled. But having books out there that are problematic, uh, being read by all sorts of families who may or may not have the ability to talk back to any of the images in them, I think is um, is not the right conversation opener. It's not the teach the teaching moment that everyone thinks that it might be. That was University of Virginia professor Sylvia Chong, who specializes in American and Asian American studies. North Dakota State Librarian convened a committee that reviewed and read If I Ran the Zoo, then pulled it from the shelf because of its low circulation. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, thanks to Ashley Armstrong for her production assistance. Like what you hear? Come on back for more. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Monday. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.